the Mossad is uh, is responsible of looking for the uh, security of Jewish community. We brought the uh, Jews from Iraq, Syria, from Yemen, Ethiopia, Morocco. Everybody puts them out there as the top three spy agencies. What, what do you think separates the culture of Mossad versus the MI6 or versus the CIA or any other agency out there? At all times, we have to try and identify signs and indications of peace with, with our present enemies. Who trained the Mossad originally? We were trained uh, mainly by trial and error. Would you put Iran at the top threat in the Middle East, or who would you put ahead of Iran? Khomeini represents the most extreme group that exists in, in, in Islam. They don't accept us being a, a country at all. And obviously you're seeing what's going on with America, and we saw what happened at the Capitol. America has lost its prime statue around the world. And after the events of uh, the last two or three days, I don't see how American can convince its other allies around the world that the uh, best form of regime is democracy. My guest today is Shabtai Shavit, who is the former head of the Mossad. And if you uh, uh, know what the Mossad is known for, we're going to get right into it. They're known as a top three uh, 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 strongest spy agencies in the world with CIA being at the top. Then you got the MI6, then you have the Mossad, and they have a rich history with a lot of respect. He started in 1964 when he joined the Mossad, and then he became the director general of the Mossad, which is the head of Mossad from 1989 to 1996 with a resume and a ton of stories, but he's kept it very low profile and it's been 25 years since he retired so he can talk with us today. Having said that, Shabtai, thank you so much for being a guest on Valuetainment. My pleasure. So uh, I understand you're in Israel right now. How are things in Israel today? <laughs> well, uh, you, you know, they say that the, the world is a global village, so... Uh, in the sense of Corona or the COVID-19, all over the world, we uh, we are at the same uh, situation. Uh, most of the time we see the tone. We are uh, waiting for the vaccine to uh, get it. And we are looking forward to, to uh, positive and good news Some sometimes in uh, during 19, uh, 2021. Very cool. So we, you, you may be in Israel, but we're living with the same kind of uh, challenges everywhere. It's same as uh, Israel. So, yes. you know, be, obviously your resume, you've dealt with a lot of different things. You were involved during the collapse of the Soviet Union, your, the peace agreements with Jordan, whether it's the assassination of former prime minister, uh, Yitzhak Rabin or Iranian revolution. You've been around with a lot of different things. But before we get into that, i like to know the story about how you got into the Mossad. I know you were in the Navy before. H how did your transition from where you were at to getting into the Mossad, how did that take place? Uh, it started when I was a, a very young uh, boy. Uh, in our backyard, we, uh, we had the uh, olive trees. And uh, next to the uh, small village where I, where I was born and, and raised, there were two Arab villages. And during the season, our Arab neighbors used to come over and uh, pick up the uh, olives from the uh, trees. At uh, this uh, circumstance, and at the age of uh, maybe uh, 
five, six, I started to learn Arabic from our Arab neighbors. And um, then in high school, I was uh, um, in a, in a uh, class which was a pilot plan to establish a, uh, in, in the high school system in Israel, a, uh, a major studies of Arabic language, culture, and history of the Middle East. So I, um, I admitted and got, uh, uh, and got chose to, to, uh, to this uh, class. And there where we uh, really learned Arabic very uh, intensively and history of the Middle East and so on and so forth, um, which uh, took me in the army after graduate, graduating from high school, I went to uh, join the army and they took me to uh, what we call in Hebrew Sayeret Matkal. Sayeret Matkal is a very, one of the most famous uh, SWAT units in the uh, IDF. And uh, one of the requirements then at that time, and I'm talking about uh, 58, after, com after completing my uh, um, high school studies, um, Arabic was a requirement, one of the requirements in order to uh, join this, that unit. I, I um, served my uh, compulsory service of uh, three and a half years in the IDF at that unit. And uh, then I went to uh, the Hebrew University at that time, uh, we had only one university in Israel, the uh, Hebrew University in Jerusalem, and uh, I took as a major um, those subjects as well. So when I, uh, when I graduated from the uh, university, I, uh, I was uh, loaded with uh, the requirements that were needed in order to, to join the Mossad. <laughs> That's pretty intense to know that you have to join a military and in, in order to join a certain unit in the military, you have to speak a certain language or else you can't be a part of a pretty uh, intense requirement. Yeah, it was, a, it was an exception those years. Um, it was the only one place in the IBF that uh, a foreign language was, uh, was required. Now, I, I read somewhere that you went to uh, uh, Harvard as well. Did you attend Harvard University or, or, or no? I yes, I attended, the, I attended the Harvard University, the Kennedy School. I did the master's degree in public administration, and it was uh, at the year, year of 1985-86. Uh, it was a sort of a sabbatical that I got from, uh, from the Mossad, waiting to uh, become the number two of the of the uh, organization. I had to wait a, a year uh, uh, in, order to, uh, in order to get this, uh, this job. So uh, uh, they uh, sent me to a sabbatical Talmud, which was very generous of the Israeli uh, taxpayer and uh, gave me a lot of, uh, a lot of, a lot of knowledge and, and uh, experience and it was fun. But it wasn't an assignment. It wasn't like you were working. No, no, no. It was, it was no, just no, you it went to school. It was a full-time <clears throat> student. Now, let me ask you, you, you have a sense of humor. It's very, from the moment I talked to you, even off camera, you have a sense of humor, which is beautiful. Who were you in high school? If you and I were in school together, 14, 15, 16 years old, uh, who was Shabtai in high school? I was a, I was a rather... Uh, um, 
mediocre student. I, I, I did not belong to the uh, brightest and, uh, and, and best, uh, best uh, pupils. Uh, but I got along quite well and I, um, I had a lot of friends and uh, during high school, you, uh, if you are smart enough, you, uh, you, find a way, you find a way as how to get um, your uh, first or second uh, girlfriend. And it was, uh, it was really interesting, yeah. So was it just for your first, second, or was it like a third, fourth, fifth? Which one? I'm just curious which no, one you were. No, no, no. Listen, you are, you, are, you are talking to a very uh, mediocre person. <laughs> I don't think so. Not, the, okay. not not somebody of the extremes. Okay. All right. I mean, you 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 went to be the director of the Mossad, which is pretty extreme and career-wise, where you made it. So, so then you go into Mossad and you start kind of uh, getting into getting different assignments, the different kind of work that you do. At what did you at what point say? I want to go become the head of Mossad, or was that process of going, getting involved to the end of it, was that accidental? Was it intentional saying, I really believe one day I can be the head of Mossad, or did it just kind of happen accidentally? When I, when I, when I joined the, uh, the organization, I, I intended to, uh, to look at it as a, a lifetime job. And from the beginning, I, I knew that I'm going to uh, put in it Everything and anything that I uh, that I brought with me to the uh, organization, and uh, as I remember myself, excellence was one of the uh, of the virtues that uh, I uh, cherished since uh, childhood. So uh, I knew that I'm going to, uh, you know, in order to in order to uh, to be upgraded and and achieve uh, such a goal, it takes a lot energy, dedication, and uh, so on and so forth. So I knew from the beginning then that uh, I'm going to try. And having said this, I want you to know that uh, not only in Mossad, in uh, other places as well, uh, luck is also a factor. Yeah, I I, uh, I love your fire. You can feel your fire and, and, and the ambition you had, but at the same time, you respect the fact that there is a luck involved in meeting the right people and the right opportunities that come up as you're working your way to the top. What, what uh, you know, uh, uh, we spoke earlier and I asked a question from you. I said, you know, there's nothing on you. I have to really, I have to really work hard to find stuff on you. I mean, and don't get me wrong. There's There's articles, there's a lot of stuff, there's, Wikipedia's, there's uh, speeches, there's, but I had to go in different places and have my research team work to find things on you. Why, you know, our director of CIA uh, has millions of followers on Instagram, social media. Obviously, I'm being sarcastic, but what I'm trying to say is there's celebrities here. Why is it that in your world, it's so low key and the culture is no one really knows who's the head of in charge of Mossad, what's the difference in culture there? First of all, it's uh, it, it, it's it was it's not uh, it's not now. Since the world has become uh, completely transparent, uh, changes um, occurred also in the also in the Mossad and in respect to the identity of uh, of the of the director. But uh, traditionally. Um, 
if I have to uh, to define the difference between between the director of the Mossad and the uh, and the director of the CIA, uh, the latter is being nominated as a political nominee. In our system, the director of the Mossad is being chosen based on his merits and his expertise, political inclinations and the uh, membership in, in political bodies or uh, is, does not, uh, do not exist in, in the consideration to, uh, to the appointment. And uh, another thing is that uh, the, uh, the nomination of the, of the uh, director is uh, being decided by one person, which is the prime minister. The director of the Mossad is uh, reporting only to the uh, directly and uh, and only to the uh, to, to the prime minister. Um, uh, the prime minister is the direct superior of the of the uh, director. So uh, the <clears throat> the prime minister is the one who, who, who chooses him. And uh, usually, um, the prime minister consult with the uh, minister of defense and uh, and the ministry of the foreign affairs. And but the decision is and the nomination is the uh, prime minister and the and um, the relationship between the uh, between the director of the Mossad and the prime minister. Are, our relationship which, which uh, resemble any other uh, set of uh, relationship between any uh, minister or uh, general director of uh, uh, an organization in the, in the government in, in the sense that uh, weekly meetings, uh, yeah, um, consultations and um, between, between myself as the director and the prime minister, there was no anyone else. So, so you know, when when you when you read about Mossad and and everybody puts them out there as the top three spy agencies, you know, U.S.'s neighbors are Canada and Mexico. Let's just say, right? Okay, we got Cuba over here, but let's just say U.S. and uh, uh, Canada and Mexico. You look at U.K.'s neighbors; they're kind of by themselves, and they got a few neighbors over here. Your neighbors are Syria, Iraq, Lebanon, Saudi Arabia. There's always conflict going on. You're a small little nation. You're not big. You're very powerful. The reputation that's been built is, you know, is one of a kind. You know, they, they, some of them even call you. I don't know if you guys, you know, you like this, this reputation. Professional assassins with a few boundaries and strike fear in opposing enemies. And you look at the culture uh, and what it's known for, you know, uh, uh, bring in justice to those who have harmed the Jewish people. Number one. Number two, neutralize military threats to the state of Israel. Number three, retaliate against the perpetrators of terror. Number four, help Jewish refugees reach the land of Israel. I mean, it's a very specific, you know, culture that you guys have, but I want to hear it from you. What, what do you think separates the culture of Mossad uh, uh, versus the MI6 or versus the, the CIA or any other agency out there? There, there are quite a few uh, topics which uh, uh, makes the, uh, the Mossad unique as compared with, uh, with uh, our 
partners, the uh, Americans and the and the Brits. For one, the Mossad is uh, is responsible of looking for the uh, security of Jews in around the world, Jewish communities. Okay, one, two. The uh, Mossad was responsible in order to uh, bring Jewish people from the uh, diaspora who lived in countries where they were persecuted by the local authorities. Uh, and I can, I can name you a long, uh, a long history uh, since the inception of, of, of the state of Israel and even before that the, uh, the Mossad, uh, by executing all kinds of, uh, of strange operations and activities, we brought uh, the uh, Jews from Iraq, we brought Jews from Syria, we brought the Jews from Yemen, uh, Ethiopia, Morocco, and we also brought Jews from Iran after the revolution. Since, uh, since you are familiar with, uh, with Iran, the way we did it, in, uh, very generally speaking, we used to uh, move them from Iran to Pakistan and from Pakistan to Europe, and from Europe to Israel. And uh, quite a few uh, Iranian Jews came by this way. So uh, this is another, uh, another distinction between, uh, between uh, the, uh, the responsibilities of uh, the Mossad and, and, and the other intelligence uh, uh, organization. Uh, another another uh, um, another topic is, uh, in addition to uh, provide uh, the uh, state of Israel and the government of Israel with uh, with intelligence, we at all times we have to try and identify uh, signs and indications of. Uh, peace with with our present enemies. This is why um, the Mossad was involved very deeply with the uh, peace process uh, with Egypt, which was the first Arab country that uh, signed a uh, peace treaty with Israel. And the same goes for the peace with uh, between Israel and Jordan. The Mossad was instrumental and and played a major role in these two pieces. And we and we are. Uh, uh, as I mentioned, we are expected, and it is one of our jobs to try and and identify um, indications and, and political changes in the region towards towards peace. Another uh, another mission of the Mossad that uh, today does not uh, exist anymore was uh, to chase uh, um, German. Former Nazi Germans who were uh, participating took part in in executing uh, Jews uh, during the uh, Holocaust. So uh, these are mainly the differences between uh, us and uh, the other uh, intelligence uh, intelligence uh, organizations. Shabtai, who who trained you guys? Because when I when I read about the Savak, Savak was trained by CIA and the MI6, right? Who who trained the Mossad originally? Just 
let me let me uh, add to, to what you just said about the training of the Sabak that uh, in addition to the Americans and the Brits, Sabak was trained by the Israelis as well. Now we uh, we were trained uh, mainly by trial and error because uh, the Mossad was officially uh, formed after the inception of the state, but uh, before Israel was born, um, there were, we had the, what was called the Haganah and Palmach and all kinds of uh, military, quasi-military organizations uh, that uh, performed, that uh, were acting in, in, the, uh, in, the, in Israel and the, in the Middle East along the uh, trail of, uh, of independence, which, which uh, which was very lengthy. Um, we uh, we learned by ourselves from experience. So the, nobody, uh, so nobody, so so the Mossad didn't go to another agency to be trained. You just kind of no, learned on your own. No, no, no. But what what mechanisms did you use? What did you read? What did you study? I mean, obviously, you know, your motto is for by stratagems you. Uh, uh, you wage war, you know, you guys are, you, you guys don't play around when it comes down to uh, uh, being strategic. Is it, were you guys required to read the book, The Prince? Were you required to read The Art of War? Were you reading Napoleon? Were you studying? What, what was the mindset? Because strategically, you can't just be born with that kind of talent. Let's uh, break down the, uh, the question to, uh, um, uh, to uh, um, smaller parts. As much as the IDF is concerned. The IDF uh, uh, was trained uh, by other armies. Part of the training was by uh, um, Israeli and Jewish uh, 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 officers who, who served in, 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 in the uh, British uh, um, army or in the American army and who uh, came to Israel, made the uh, Immigrated to Israel and became uh, became uh, officers in the uh, in the uh, IDF and they brought and implement implemented uh, whatever they uh, whatever they had uh, uh, experienced before. So that's how the, uh, the training uh, of the of the military started. And then we uh, the IDF started to uh, to establish a relationship with uh, with uh, foreign armies. Mainly with friendly countries, uh, armies and uh, and and uh, Israeli officers uh, were were sent to uh, colleges and academies and uh, and foreign armies. The, this is not related to the Mossad. The Mossad and the uh, uh, security service, what we call the Shin Bet which is the internal security service, we have grown up, as I mentioned before, by trial and error. Only experience. And the experience started, the experience started before the inception of the state. During the, the British mandate. The experience started prior to the inception of the state. So, so let me ask you this: uh, was... Look, the the conflict between between us and the Arabs started back in the uh, towards the end of the 19th century, and at that time, in in the tiny Israel, 
during the British mandate, there were two different people. There were Jews and there were Arabs living together and having a conflict. And uh, we didn't have uh, uh, neither the time nor the uh, resources in order to uh, in order to bring uh, foreign uh, foreign instructors and foreign experienced people in order to help us uh, build our our security and military capabilities. We did it alone, um, and and mainly through trial and error. I mean that's that's uh, that's very very. So I guess the, the, it it produces it makes me think about a couple of questions. Number one, when Mossad first got started, did the Mossad and Israel go recruit folks who were Jewish from other countries who trained in their secret intelligence and military and recruit them back to Israel? No, no, to no. Give insider, in, I mean, how do you? But it's the reason why I ask this question is: Look, it, for example, I, I'll give you an idea. Do you follow sports? Are you a sports guy or no? Do you follow, follow any sports? Uh, I follow sports a little okay. bit. Okay, yeah. so if you if you follow sports. If I'm a six-year-old kid today, I can steal Michael Jordan's video uh, plays by watching his YouTube videos. You know what I mean? If yeah. I play baseball today, I can watch and go study Barry Bonds' swing or Ken Griffey's swing. If I play soccer, I can go study what Maradona did or what you know Zidane did or what uh, uh, Ronaldinho does. But if you're, you know, a new secret spy agency, there is no YouTube videos to study. Who do you study? What book did you study? What manual did you study? That's a pretty challenging thing to do when your neighbors are Syria, Iraq, Lebanon, and Saudi Arabia. Listen, today we, today we, uh, we are already uh, beyond 70 years since the uh, independence of the state. Even by uh, studying alone, um, you can you can reach a certain point of expertise, and I, 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 I don't know why. I, to me, it sounds very very typical. You know, when you when you mentioned that uh, Jews from other places, uh, it uh, this was not the this was not the system, <laughs> because uh, uh, you know when you when you are in an in intelligence service and you. Uh, you establish a relationship with uh, with uh, friendly uh, 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 intelligence services around the world. The uh, the main rule is uh, that uh, you don't spy on your friends. So today we do have relations with other services. We do exchange intelligence with other services. We do meet with we do uh, we do uh, organize the. Uh, uh, research meetings and evaluation meetings, and and we also uh, here and there uh, participate in activities that resemble um, the 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 definition of uh, studying or upscaling our capabilities. And uh, but today, when we do it, it's uh, on a uh, on a re reciprocity kind of uh, of uh, uh, form. Was there, Shabtai, was, was there a mastermind behind Mossad? Was there like one big figure that you guys all looked up to and were trained by his beliefs or training system and manual and, you know, et cetera, et cetera? Was there some mastermind behind Mossad? 
historically what I can tell you is that the, the first grain of the Mossad were Israeli soldiers in the British army participating in World War II. And towards the end of World War II, those people, those Israeli soldiers were assigned to find and, and gather the remaining, remaining Jews from the Holocaust, take care of them in order to bring them at the end of the, at the, at the, end of the day to Israel. So this group of people were the first, the first grain of, 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 the, of the Mossad. When they finished their job of gathering the remaining Jews in, 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 in Europe, bringing them to Israel, then, and it was in the year of uh, 51, uh, the Mossad was legally formed and established uh, by uh, the then uh, Prime Minister David Ben-Gurion. And the mission at that point of time has changed from taking care of uh, the Holocaust survivors to an intelligence organization which, uh, which gather in information on Israel's enemies, adversaries, and so on. Got it. So, so you know, uh, uh, there's not a major mastermind that was training everybody certain tactics. It was an evolution of trial and error. Yeah, well, of course, we can uh, we can pinpoint to uh, to uh, um, David personalities who were at the head of 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 this organization since since its uh, beginnings, but uh, I cannot uh, I cannot recall of a any any kind who, who was uh, experienced or genius to the extent that he could uh, uh, form the organization from uh, A to Z at, uh, at uh, one point of time. It, it makes it makes me think because if that's the case, why aren't other countries a top three secret intelligence? If they if it, they can learn by trial and error, how come they don't make it at the levels that you guys made it? It really makes me think about that. But let, let me ask you a different question. Let me ask you a different question. So so you've been you've been a part of the Mossad from '64 to '96. Yeah. That's 32 some years. But from '89 to '96, you were the head of Mossad, and then obviously you've been retired now for 25 years. Has the enemy of Israel changed from '64 till today? And what has that evolution looked like? Or have all the enemies pretty much been the same two, three, four, five candidates? Well, the uh, the world is uh, is uh, changing all the time. Uh, the world does not uh, does not stand still for a moment, and uh, the same goes for the Middle East and uh, for the uh, um, structure of uh, of the uh, conflict between Israel and and its uh, neighbors. Um, First of all, we uh, we can pinpoint to uh, the first uh, peace uh, agreement between Israel and 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 Egypt, and it uh, it it was initiated by the uh, war of '73, what we call Yom Kippur War. The 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 grains of peace with Egypt started with the with the war of 1973. 
The peace with Jordan was signed in 95 after uh, five, six, seven decades of enmity and, and, and uh, adversarial relationships. In Egypt, uh, listen, we can, we can put the line in, uh, on, on 47, for 1947, 1948 as the baseline of uh, the uh, adversarial relationship between Israel and its its neighbors so the main the main uh, the, the main and number one uh, uh, adversary were the Palestinians who were uh, who shared the same territory with us and the uh, main cause for the conflict was who uh, who owns this territory and then Arab countries joined the Palestinians in the war of independence. Egypt was the first one, Syria, Jordan, joined the, uh, the uh, Palestinians. And then we, we found ourselves in what we named the War of Independence, which by, by the way, metaphorically, I can tell you that the War of Independence has not yet finished even today, we, to a certain to a certain extent, we are still in a, in 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 the in our war of independence. As long as as long as territory the, the territorial question uh, is not solved, and as long as there are countries that don't uh, uh, don't um, acknowledge the, uh, uh, the Israel. As 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 a as a sovereign state in 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 the in the Middle East, um, the the war for all particular purposes is not yet is not yet finished. And then we uh, the era of of the Cold War. Um, and and the wars that we had, uh, we can we can say that uh, every decade since the uh, uh, beginning of the state. Uh, um, every decade we had at least uh, one big war. And uh, in between we, we had uh, all kinds of, uh, of um, small, uh, small military operations and skirmishes. And, and then from a certain point of time, we had to cope with the uh, phenomenon of uh, terrorism which uh, for uh, uh, three, four decades was um, a sort of a, a local domestic uh, 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 event, um, which was a, a, a um, civil kind of, uh, uh, of, uh, of uh, phenomenon who, who, who fought for independence uh, and, and, and uh, and then, after the or during the uh, the uh, 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 spring revolutions, terrorism uh, uh, adopted adopted the uh, the um, religious side of it, and 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 instead of being a civil kind of uh, of uh, uh, um, entity, it has become a uh, religious. Uh, a, a entity and 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 religion um, turned the uh, phenomenon of the, the terrorist phenomenon from a local event 
to become global again. Um, the last uh, development, of course, is uh, what happened during the uh, the last uh, few weeks or so, that uh, the uh, Emirates uh, countries and uh, Morocco um, have uh, upgraded their uh, relationship with, uh, with Israel. And they, uh, it's a, uh, it's a very positive uh, development, which uh, which may affect uh, the the future of the region. Uh, maybe even towards a, a, a ending the uh, the ancient uh, conflict between us and the and the Palestinians. So uh, the. Uh, the situation is volatile. The situation is ending, is changing all the time. And of course, uh, uh, um, it's not a, 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 a two-party kind of a game. All the, all the Arab, all the Arab world is, to a certain extent, is involved in it. And then we have um, regional uh, powers like Iran and Turkey, and then we have the uh, global powers, Russians, Chinese, and America, who are also involved in, 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 a, in this uh, playground. So uh, I don't know if I, if I answered your, your question, but uh, I believe that at least partly I succeeded. Now that was uh, 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 crystal clear, and it's interesting. You wrote, you said Iran, Turkey, Russia, China. Those are the four countries I have written down here that I wanted to ask you about. Uh, uh, how much were you involved on finding out? You know, even have an insider uh, 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 scoop on what happened with the Iranian Revolution. There's a lot of different stories when they talk about the uh, uh, overthrowing of uh, uh, Mohammad Reza Pahlavi. And how right after the dinner with Carter, he leaves in 77, December 31st, they, you know, toast and he leaves and almost the riots, the protesting, the revolution begins. And then 13 months later, a little over 13 months later, he's in exile and he's out and Iran gets, you know, turned over to Khomeini. And uh, things change a lot. And there's a lot of different speculation on what what took place, you know, whether it was the, you know, the 25 year <laughs> Uh, a contract of oil that was coming up, you know, the consor consortium agreement of 1954 between Iran, Germany, U.S., U.K., and I think France. And they had the secret meeting saying, let's get him to uh, uh, dethrone him. You know, there's uh, some tensions with what was going on with other reasons for Carter and Iran. There's a lot of different stories that you hear about, but that's something, something that's close to me because I grew up had a lot of different talks with people that were directly involved in that. But I'm curious to hear from you, because if you were involved 64 to 96, 78, 79, and you guys trained a lot of the Savak that came to you for training, there's got to be some kind of a story or, uh, 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 you know, or even factual reasons that you have on why Iran fell, because they were doing fine. It's not like they weren't doing good. They were expanding and all of a sudden they had a fall. What do you think was the reason behind it? You know, there is a, we have a saying that uh, a man is close to himself. And in the, in the sense that uh, I can give you my uh, 
personal experience. Um, you you didn't mention uh, the fact that uh, I uh, spent two and a half years in Iran uh, in person. Me and my uh, young uh, and beloved wife. Uh, since the, since the beginning of 1966 to uh, the summer of 68. Um, a relative long time before the uh, revolution in, in Iran. But uh, I can tell you, for instance, that, uh, and, and we, we, we spend time mainly in the South, Abadan, Khoramshah, um, and, and, and the Gulf, those places. And I cannot forget that uh, uh, prior to uh, uh, each and every uh, Memorial Day to the uh, sacrifice of uh, the uh, Shiites prophets, Hassan and Hussein, the, 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 the government called the foreign people who lived at that time in, in Iran, and they asked the foreigners, please remain in your houses during those days of uh, memorial. And I remember that uh, when I uh, faced this uh, um, unique, uh, unique uh, uh, phenomenon, because uh, um, I didn't, I was, I was not uh, exposed to uh, to this kind of uh, events uh, before. I uh, asked, as I remember asking myself the question: A. Hey, how how is it going to uh, to uh, end towards where this uh, this uh, religious uh, uh, factor will uh, will develop and jumping from 66 7 and 8 towards the uh, uh, um, 70s and the end of the 70s we, and I, I'm, I'm, I'm speaking now generally, in general terms, our evalu evaluation was that Iran going towards a revolution or the change of the, the regime. We share, this, uh, we share this information with, with our American partners. I can remind you that at that time, the American ambassador was, was Helms. The guy who, 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 who later on became the director of the CIA as well. As much as I can uh, recall it, um, the Americans uh, have not uh, accepted our evaluations. And why is it so? Because the, uh, the Americans and other foreigners were, were exposed to the uh, military capabilities of Iran. Their evaluation was that um, the Shah was uh, pretty much ready and capable to cope with uh, 
any attempt of a revolution. He was ready? Ready, I mean, ready militarily. Okay. Ready militarily. The one, the one point which, uh, which no one at that time, at least, uh, at least among the, uh, the intelligence circle, was that uh, what's going to be the uh, attitude of uh, President Carter. And uh, as I put together all the pieces, um, the Shah waited for President Carter to nod with his head like this. And uh, Carter didn't, didn't do it. Not only didn't do it, he expressed his, his objection to uh, any military uh, uh, step uh, supposedly taken by, uh, by the Shah. Do you know and why, the, though? Do, do you know why, though? I mean, this, these are everything you said, you know, aside from the part where you guys kind of knew the revolution was coming up and you know he had a strong military. The Shah had a very strong military. He had a strong secret intelligence that was working with him. The enemies he had at the time was Today, which was the Communist Party. I'm sure you're familiar with the Today Party that was running around in Iran. Folks who were leaving Russia and coming down with the Karl Marx book, Communist Manifesto, and you had the Hezbollahs that were kind of growing underground. He had 3,000 political refugees that he was keeping where it wasn't going to be too much ruckus going on. He had great relationship with U.S. I think he had a decent relationship with Israel. Why, why not support the Shah and help him out to make sure they don't have the revolution that takes place? Why keep looking away and say, no, wait a little longer? And tell Kissinger, yeah, we'll help you, but not yet. We'll help you, but not yet. We got it. We got it, but not yet. Is there any I, I, anything I, I, you know that we don't know on why that took place? I cannot answer for the Americans. I um, I can tell you that uh, the nature of the relationship between Israel and, and Iran at that time, um, uh, uh, the, the relationship were, were clandestine, were secret. Uh, there was no um, diplomatic uh, uh, exchange, open diplomatic exchange. exchange. The, the Israeli embassy uh, building in, 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 in Tehran was uh, a sort of, a, 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 of an unknown uh, a, a place. We don't. We didn't have official relationship with, with Iran, so we, even if we wanted, we couldn't, and the Shah didn't accept it. That uh, that we, had we offered him, listen, we'll come to, uh, we'll come to help you, and uh, and and so and so forth. We 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 weren't in a position to uh, to replace the uh, the the U.S., which was the uh, the number one. Uh, 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 ally who, who was a, uh, a partner with uh, with Iran and the Shah. Uh, what I what I uh, what I did uh, 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 emphasize was that we we shared our knowledge and assessments 
which which were based on 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 um, Israelis on the ground. At that time, we were there, there were a huge number of Israelis of all of all trades and and businesses and activities in in Iran meeting and 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 doing business with 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 locals and and based on the feelings and personal experience of of the Israelis we who were there we reached the uh, reached the, the conclusion that uh, there, is, there is something which is which is uh, which is building up which is growing up and this it was not based on in on, on 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 intelligence because uh, being being allies of of Iran we have not collected intelligence on Iran those days we used Iran as a as a uh, back uh, uh, base to collect intelligence on on our enemies Iraq uh, the Gulf and Syria and so on. So uh, what we did, we shared what we what we uh, believed with the Americans. We uh, more than that, we uh, you you can't expect expect us to do then. Did did was it more peaceful for you as neighboring countries? Obviously, Iran's not a direct neighbor, but it's in the Middle East. Was it more peaceful for Israel and less turmoil with the Shah being in charge running Iran or Ayatollah Khomeini? No, if it if it were for us to choose, we would uh, we would choose uh, we would choose the Shah, not uh, not the, uh, the, the Khomeini's. Khomeini Khomeini represents the most extreme group that exists in, in, in Islam. The Shiites is the most extreme group in Islam. They don't accept us being a uh, being a, a country at all. They don't acknowledge our existence in the Middle East. Every, every twice a week they uh, come out with with declaring their overall intention to obliterate uh, Israel uh, of 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 the earth, so uh, the 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 choice for us, if we if we could then save the Shah and uh, Iran, we would have done it. Uh, we would have done it uh, 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 gladly and willingly. Um, listen, you are talking about you are talking to a guy who. Was a big shot, but uh, responsible on an on an operation which was maybe ten percent of uh, of the equivalent of the of, of America and, and 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 Europeans. Yeah, it makes me it makes me think if if the the level of turmoil on how it increased right after the Shah left. Why? Why would have some nations want more turmoil in the Middle East? What benefit is it? Is it more power for negotiation for oil? Is it more power to even 
uh, have you need America more, Israel need America more, because now you got another person that's creating more havoc, which is Iran and Iraq war, and you kind of got to be careful. Why? What is the real deeper motive of wanting? Because if Kissinger and Carter know, if they don't help, shit's going to hit the fan in the Middle East. Like, it's not like they didn't know about it. They, everyone knew Khomeini comes in, it's going to be catastrophic in the Middle East, which that's what cost half a million people's lives, et cetera, et cetera. I don't know why there weren't more people trying to prevent that from happening and uh, why they kind of looked away. I'm always curious. Again, for me, it's it's direct. It's kind of like when for you, you, you'll probably read or watch anything that has to do with, you know, the uh, Munich, with what happened with the Israeli Olympians, with what happened with the Holocaust or what happened with, and I'm not making a comparable on the level of severity. I'm just saying like events that happen that affect your life or what Imad uh, Mournier did, you know, the one of the founders of Hezbollah that you guys went and eventually you took him out. Those things matter to you because they affected your livelihood, your country where you raise your family. For me, it was what happened with uh, the Shah and Carter and uh, Kissinger and, uh, a lot of these guys. So, okay, uh, it, 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 fair enough. I don't think. Is, is there any other comments you have on this, or no? Yeah. I, look, uh, I, I'll tell you what I'll uh, what I'll do uh, tomorrow. Tomorrow is the weekend. We uh, I'll go to uh, to uh, Kissinger's memories in order to uh, look for the chapter on Iran to to read now what was <laughs> what then. Yeah. <laughs> He's still yeah. around, and Carter is still around. <laughs> It, it, it really it really makes me think. So the last thing we talk about here before we wrap up, you said a few things. You said, you know, you have the smaller, you know, enemies where, you know, the wall of independence, a lot of them hasn't been done yet. It's still going on. But then you talked about the bigger, you know, uh, potential uh, powerhouses uh, in the world. And obviously you're seeing what's going on with America, with Trump now. Finally, you know, the transition is taking place with Biden coming in with Kamala Harris. And we saw what happened at the Capitol. I'm, I'm sure you saw that in um, uh, uh, in Israel on the news. But uh, who you did or you I didn't? Did. Yeah. I who concerned? I did, of course. And I saw the origin, the CNN and Fox and the others. What did you think about it? What were your thoughts on that? Well, I'm. Uh, it it made me it made me uh, very sad. What I saw. What what, what do you it think really, in the direction? It really made me and and. Look, being being Israeli, and and I don't I don't hide the fact from for a moment that Israeli's existence and Israeli security, to a very large extent, is dependent on the U.S. I try to judge the events of the last few days through the prism of what is the what is the interest of of Israel in 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 this uh, development? And I'm sorry to say that uh, the first point that uh, hit me was that uh, America, in the last few days, has lost uh, its uh, its prime statue around the world. America, since the end of World War II, was the, uh, the, the uh, 
lighthouse of of, democ of democracy, of liberal democracy, of marketplace economy, of freedom, of equality to the rest of the world. America since the end of World War II to this day was the guarantor and the and the leader of, of, of the Western world. And after the events of, uh, of uh, the last two or three days, I, I don't see how American can convince its other allies around the world, and not to mention the uh, adversaries, that the uh, a, a, a best form of of regime is 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 democracy. Pick any any one leader among the among the Khamenei uh, and the uh, and the uh, Erdogan or the guy in Brazil or the, the guy in the Philippines or the or the uh, the rulers of the of the of the Middle East. And can you argue and convince them that the that democracy is the is the preferable and the best um, uh, um, uh, uh, regime in order to in order to uh, to build the world to bring more harmony to build equality. What to, are you uh, suggesting? What do you what, what do you what are you suggesting? Is there a suggestion in that uh, statement of yours? Um, the, the, well, my I, I I by far more modest than uh, trying to. Uh, trying to define the, uh, the future of the world. But I can tell you a few words about the uh, possible eventual development in, 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 in the Middle East. Uh, regarding the situation in the, in the Middle East and in, in the conflict between Israel and, and, the, and the Palestinians, I believe that the, uh, that the, the development which took place in recent weeks, namely the upgrade of relationship between Israel and the and the, some of the Emirates and uh, Morocco, is 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 good news. is very is very important. Uh, it 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 first and foremost it transmitted a very strong signal to the Palestinians that listen, guys. We were supporting you since 1945 till today, but the world today is not what it used to be all in, in the past. And you have to reckon with, with the changes that are taking place in the, in the Middle East. Now, Israel is not anymore our, our enemy. Our enemy is extreme Islam being represented mainly by Iran, who's pursuing a nuclear military capability. This is the real threat now. So you Palestinians, it's, it's high time for you to uh, change your policy. And, 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 but there is, there is an additional condition to, uh, 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 to what I'm saying. One is that 
the president-elect or the president, uh, uh, President Biden should um, adopt a strategy that the U.S. is not leaving the Middle East. And not only because of uh, Israel and the Palestinians, because of many other reasons, because of the because of the security of the of the world, because the the Russians are com are competing with them, because the Chinese are competing with them, because America need to go on leading the free world, and 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 leading the free world it means to to have a uh, foot also in the in the Middle East. You should now bring in Saudi Arabia and and create a new axis of US leading Saudi Arabia, Israel, Egypt and Jordan with which we have uh, a peace already and the Emirates vis-a-vis -vis the threats of Iran and Turkey. And within this framework, the Palestinian will will be in a position that whether they like it or not, they'll have to change their attitude and and and, uh, and policy and to become a partner to a solution for the conflict with Israel. Let me let me ask you this question: uh, Would you put Iran at the top threat in the Middle East, or would you put uh, who would you put ahead of Iran? Would you put them at the top as Iran, the biggest threat? Iran is the, as, a, as, as an Israeli, Iran is the top threat to the Middle East. Fair. To, so, here's my, to, to Israel. so here's my follow-up question for you there. Go back the last four, uh, 12 years. Okay, last 12 years, post-Bush era, uh, uh, Obama comes in, Obama-Biden carried the $150 billion deal with Iran. They negotiate, and then boom. Then Trump comes in. Trump comes and says, no, the deal is off the table. I'm not helping you out. And then he puts sanctions on Iran. Iran gets weaker. 22, 21 nations in the Middle East cannot do business with them. Banks stop lending to many of the businesses there. Uh, how do you feel about the policies that was led with uh, Obama and Biden and Kerry with Iran versus policies of what Trump did with Iran? Forget the personalities. Take the personalities out. Take the Obama, Biden, Kerry personalities out. Take Trump personality out. I'm specifically talking about policies. Which one of those policies made the Middle East safer? My personal opinion is the uh, policies of uh, Obama and uh, and Biden to give 150 billion to Iran made to, it safer in the no, Middle East to, to to build the coalition with the Europeans and to uh, sign a, a an agreement with Iran for which which uh, gives us gave us between 10 and 15 years um without uh, without uh, a, an iranian uh, nuclear bomb in the, in the middle east so let me ask you a question now uh, now, uh, now uh, uh, I, I another part of my of my answer is a question when when trump decided to get out of the of the uh, agreement. Um, did he really considered to uh, to go to war 
on this issue? What do you mean? I mean that Iran is Iran is continuing to build its capability. Well, Two days ago, three days ago, 20%. They, they announced the uh, the rest of the world that they are starting to uh, upgrade their their uranium to 20 percent from from 20 percent to 90 percent. It's uh, it's a fortnight. Here's a question for you, but here's and, a question for you to for you for you to be thinking about. Say the 150 is given to them, okay? Say the 150 is given to them to you're kind of buying them to not work on nuclear weapons. Do you really actually trust behind closed doors Iran and the mindset that they have where you don't exist? Do you think oh. behind closed doors they're not going to be building a nuclear bomb? You really believe that? Oh. <laughs> Now, uh, the the decision those days when 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 uh, when Obama made the, the decision to uh, to enter into a negotiation was either or. Either I am ready to use force in order to knock them down, similar to what we done back in in 1981 in Iraq, or what's the alternative? Buying time. Time is uh, time is a very essence uh, uh, element. The question but, I'm asking is, do you actually trust that Iran's not building behind closed doors, no, whether you give them money or I'm not? not I'm not, I'm not trusting Iran, especially so, since I, since I, uh, Used to negotiate in the bazaar uh, in the Tehran bazaar with the uh, with the Iranian merchants. Uh, so I, I I recognize. Quite so you know they're good negotiators. Yeah, wow, they 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 invented yes. the uh, yeah they invented the, uh, negotiations. Yeah. So so uh, if you don't trust that, if you don't trust that, but I. I think it's naive to think that here's a nation that says and, death upon America. I lived there 10 years, 10,000 men marching, flagellating their back, trail of blood on the ground saying death upon America. And then they hate your nation and we give them money, even though just last week they say screw both nations. I don't. And then they're creating allegiance with China. And in July, they're negotiating a $400 billion investment in Iran from China. And you're looking at alliances being created. Turkey is close to Russia. I mean, you kind of saw what happened with Armenia and Azerbaijan, where Russia kind of came in and to try to settle things down. And why, why strengthen Iran? That concerns me. And listen, this is a guy that was born and raised in Iran. You know, I, I, I don't know if uh, Iran's, even if you give them a trillion dollars, if you're on behind closed doors, is not going to be building a nuclear bomb. Listen, you're... you're... You lure, you lure me to a point where I have to ask you a question. Please. What's your alternative? My alternative is when I ask you a question, if you had to choose between Khomeini and Shah, you said, of course, we would have chosen the Shah because it was safer, it was more peaceful, it was less issues. Yeah. My alternative would be if the Iranian people don't like the current regime, well, why don't you let them do in, uh, today what they did in 1978-79 when 9 million people revolted and there was a fall of an empire and then there was a different kind of a, a, a you know regime that came in because if we go like this 
And the way you're shutting down people who are threatening to take your life is by saying, let me give you some money. Like your kid says, if you don't give me money, dad, I will never love you. And I'm going to marry the guy you don't want me to marry. Baby, please don't marry that guy. Here's a million dollars. Okay, I'm not going to marry him. I don't understand that tactic. I just don't understand that tactic. So for me, you know, I would say, leave them alone, leave the sanctions, let them finally realize, look, we need to get our act together. We can't be going around talking about threatening Iran and Israel. And then they can come down and say, can we negotiate? And we renegotiate. And that pain could take six, 12, 24, 36 months, not Oh my gosh, please, guys, here's some money. Stop killing people. I don't know if that's the right strategy. Again, I'm just a person that's doing an interview here. I'm asking you, the expert, to see what you think about this because I don't think the current approach of giving these guys money is an effective approach. Listen, uh, the, the people who listen to me listen, listen to you as well. Let them judge between us. <laughs> <laughs> That's fair enough. Last question for you. Thoughts on uh, thoughts on uh, Soleimani being taken out and uh, Mohsen Fakhrizadeh being taken out, the number one nuclear scientist. When that happened, what did you think about? Like, where did your mind go when you saw uh, Ghassam Soleimani and, and uh, Fakhrizadeh being taken out? I, I, I'll tell you what, uh, what went through my, uh, my mind. The notion then that when we did similar or identical operations like this in the past, no one in the world knew about it. Whereas today, those who, those who does it, make sure that uh, it will hit the headlines. Very interesting. Very interesting. So, so in other words, if you had have done this, you wouldn't have taken credit for it. I would have, and I, not only that, I would plan it in such a way that I'll have that uh, deniability even after the event. Well, then you're in a league of your own. You know, you're, you're, you're something else when you were uh, the head of Mossad. But look, I got to tell you, I really enjoyed this time with you. I appreciate you uh, uh, taking the time. Uh, what time is in Israel right now while we're doing this, brother? I'm curious. What time is it there? The time now is uh, half past six. Yeah. Half past six. Well, it's time for dinner. Your family's probably waiting for you. But uh, I've really, really enjoyed the last 80, 90 minutes with you. I appreciate your insight. Uh, I uh, wish you nothing but the very best, but I'll give you the final thoughts. What are your final thoughts here that you want to say to the audience that's listening to this? I would tell them that the world we live in can and should be a better place to live in. And at the end of the day, it depends on each and every one of us. Had every one of us did a, uh, a drop of uh, good deed for that purpose, we would have enjoyed a, uh, a better world. But first, we have to beat the corona. <laughs> yeah, it, lo it looks like Pfizer and Moderna came out with the vaccine and they're spreading yeah. it all over the world. So yeah. hopefully, it'll get out there very soon. Tell, tell me, uh, uh, do you speak uh, Farsi? I do. Really? Yes. 
So I be, I'll bid you farewell by saying Khuda Hafez. Khuda Hafez. Khayli Merci. Thank you. Take care. Bye-bye. Take care.